episode of smarter than the average bear i'm your host aj better known as bear and we're kicking off our episodes of our 2021 breakdown of the mlb season i'm excited to get this rolling for you guys i I do think this is going to be a really interesting breakdown of each division i think that there's uh some things that i've learned uh, across pulling all these statistics and results from last year headed into this year Uh, and it's really got me pumped for the baseball season um no, last year we only got 60 games. I, I still think it was an incredible season that they were able to um, to carry out. I know there were a lot of things that happened with COVID and them being the first real, real I would say, um, sport to really test the waters and see were they able to do a lot of traveling. Uh, there's certainly a, a lot of hiccups and a lot of errors and mistakes that they made, but I do think that's going to lead to Hopefully, I think that that's going to lead to um, a better season this year and a better rollout and a better watchful eye um, that's kept upon this uh, as we hopefully are moving towards the end of, of COVID and, and starting to, to ever so slightly move back into um, some sort of normal existence there. We're going to start by just looking at everything face value that's going to take place for all of the divisions that we're doing. Um, first and foremost, Looking at the rules for this 2021 season, um, as I just mentioned last year, they only played 60 regular season games. Um, they're going back to 162 this year, uh, which is their normal amount of games played for a season, um, which I'm excited to see them going back to a normal schedule. I, for one, think that they could trim off about 20, 30 games or so from uh, the, the length of an MLB regular season, but that's just my own personal opinion, but they're going back to the 162 game season. Um, DH rule. This is really bothering me, but um, they're taking away the DH rule um, and not making it universal. So the the AL will still continue to have a DH. Uh, NL will continue to let pitchers bat Uh, when they play interleague game. Of course, just like always, if, uh, the AL team is the home team, then they will enforce the DH rule for both teams. Uh, if the NL team is the home team, then they will allow pitchers to bat for both teams. Um, I, I just think this was an easy win for the MLB, and I think that they could have left the DH universal. I think that uh, it provided a little bit more offense from last year in those 60 games. I think it made the game a little bit more exciting. It also strengthened up, strengthens up batting orders. Like, you can't – you can't pitch around number eight to get to the number nine hitter for your, you know, your pitcher to bat if, you know, that number nine hitter is a productive guy who's getting everyday hacks. And I just think it makes for a better game, especially I am of the opinion that more offense will lead to more exciting games and ultimately grow the fan base a little bit more. So I would like to see DHB universal. But as of now, and I put that caveat here, as of now, uh, it's not going to be universal. It's just going to be for the AL. Last year, on the first game of the or the first day of the uh, the MLB season, they actually changed the playoff structure to allow for more teams to make it in 
to the initial field of the playoffs. As of right now, um, that is also changing back to its normal rule, which would be uh, five teams per side. There's going to be three division winners and two wild cards. Um, that's going to be for both sides for right now. Um, obviously, these are subject to change um, all the way up until the first day of, of opening day. So keep an eye on those. I would love for those to change and expand our playoff uh, teams as well as make that DH universal, but we'll see. Um, I do think with it going 162 games, it allows for a few more things to play out versus a 60-game season, but that's why I suggested that we cut to something maybe more closely to like 130 and then expand our playoffs. The last two things I'm going to comment on here is um, for extra innings, they will continue to have the rule where a man will start on second base to start that 10th inning. Um, in the event that a game goes into extra innings. So that one will continue, as well as during double headers this year, uh, the teams will play two seven-inning games versus two nine-inning games. So uh, that's another change that the, the league is making uh, going into this season. And then the final just being whether or not there will be uh, fans and how many will be allowed. I'm assuming this is going to be uh, a state legislated uh, discussion. So depending upon how your state is handling uh, COVID restrictions and stuff, I, I'm, I'm assuming that's going to play a part into what stadiums have fans, what don't, what have a, uh, a smaller amount of fans, what has a larger amount of fans. Um, so I believe that all that's going to play into a part. Uh, but we'll keep our eye on that. If any of that changes while I'm going through these picks, I'll certainly make sure to update you all. But for what we're going to do over the next six weeks or so, I might double up. Uh, what we're going to do is just b break down each division, um, all the teams within that division. We're going to look at their 2020 results. Uh, we're going to look at some of their offseason moves. I'm really just looking at the big names that were moved. I know there's going to be, obviously, every team has some smaller transactions that take place. Uh, we can't run through all of them. I mean, we could, but we'd be here forever. forever. So, I'm just going to look at some of the, the bigger deals and the bigger transactions that took place. Uh, we're going to look at some analytics from last season. Um, and then I'm, I'm going to make some predictions and some projections for 2021. Maybe who I think is coming out of uh, a specific division and potentially what their record would be. Um, all along, basically when we're looking at all this, we're, we're going to assume some things. We're going to assume that... Uh, all of these guys stay completely healthy and there's no injuries uh, unless somebody's coming into the season with one. So whatever we know today is how we're going to assume that the season is going to play out. If a guy is coming back from an injury last year, uh, depending upon what it is, if he's coming back from you know, a tweaked ankle from the end of the year, I'm going to assume he's back to 100%. If he's coming back from Tommy John, maybe I'm going to assume that he's going to be a little bit uh, slower to get involved and, and that should reflect in the um, – obviously for the records and, and the production of the team. So we're going to keep all of those things into effect, uh, but mostly just going to break down every team for every division and give you all some insights and, and see what I think is going to happen this year. So we'll take a quick break. Let's go ahead and uh, get our ad out of the way, and then we'll start up with the AL East. So we're back, and we're going to get started here. Um, like I mentioned before, we're looking at the AL East this week. Um, that's going to consist of the Tampa Bay Rays, New York Yankees, Toronto Blue Jays, the Baltimore Orioles, and the Boston Red Sox. Uh, 
I'm going to start with the Rays. Um, they finished last year, the regular season, they went 40-20, and 20, um, made it all the way to the World Series, ended up losing to the Dodgers uh, in six games. And, you know, a lot of things take, take place along the season and in the playoffs, but I think there's one thing that we can all agree on is if they don't pull Blake Snell, they probably force uh, a game seven there because he was dealing and, and, and at the point where they pulled him in the game, I know there was a lot of – uh, of people that felt like he should have continued. I was one of those people. Uh, and I do think that if we could go back to that day, they probably let Blake Snell finish out the majority of that game. I don't know if he goes the full nine, but he definitely goes past the six. And I definitely think that they probably eat that game out because he was just so unhittable um, last year. Which leads me to to one of my biggest points for the Rays this year. Um, they're losing two of their top three starters from last year uh Blake Snell being one of those and then Charlie Morton being the other and this team really piggybacked off of having that outstanding pitching and so when you look at what they're going to be able to do this season I think a lot of that is going to tie into can they avoid having a huge pitching drop-off um getting rid of Blake Snell and Charlie Morton another thing that happened last year was a big breakout from Randy Aranzarena uh, in the playoffs who just blew up as as a rookie and really kind of took the game by storm um, and and provided that offensive spark that the Rays really needed. I mean, he, he became a huge bat down the stretch for that team and really provided a lot of energy uh, that allowed them to, you know, push forward and excel in the playoffs. And so um, really looking into – what he's going to be able to do this upcoming season. Is he going to have maybe like a sophomore slump or are you going to see him kind of morph into that of an all-star and provide a little bit more um, day-to-day production for this team? Because I think that, you know, if he provides some stability to that lineup, it allows some guys to do some other things around him uh, and hopefully increase the offense that they're seeing to offset maybe that drop off that they they're expecting from the pitching. Last year, the Rays were 19th in hits. They were 14th in home runs. They were 12th in runs scored. They were second in walks earned, but they had the first most strikeouts last year. Um, They were 6th in steals, which means they were active on the base path. Uh, 21st in average, which is not great, seeing as there's only 30-some-odd teams. There's only 30 teams, so... um, Definitely in the bottom tier of there. Uh, But pitching, again, like I mentioned last year, they were third in ERA last year, and they were 15th in hits given up last year. So a lot of production out of that pitching staff, and you wonder is that going to to carry over to this season. Uh, My biggest questions for this team, and like I mentioned before, is can they avoid that pitching drop-off? And then what is – Aranzarina going to do this year for an encore? Is he going to step into that all-star position and take off for the team? Or will we see somewhat of a sophomore slump that we're accustomed to? That's our breakdown for the Rays. We're going to move to the Yankees. Um, the Yankees, obviously, this is a well-known organization. Um, I think if you if you know anything about baseball, obviously you know the, the Yankees. And you know they're, they're basically built upon spending money. So um, them being active in in the free agency pool and offseason is not something that 
should startle or shock you here. Uh, but one of their biggest moves was adding Corey Kluber to th- that pitching lineup. Um, I think that's going to be a huge get for them. Um, Kluber's been a, a stud arm before uh, pitching in the AL, so I can hopefully he's continuing that for the Yankees moving forward. Um, pairing him along with Garrett Cole is going to do a lot for that lineup. Uh, another one is is trying to get Luis uh, Severino back from, from Tommy John from last year. Uh, I don't know if he's expected to be full go. I'm assuming he's probably not to start the season, but how early can you get him involved uh, with that lineup and that rotation uh, will probably depend upon how good or how high the ceiling is for this team. Uh, they're still loaded, though, offensively. You still got you know the, the meat of that lineup looking at Aaron Judge, uh John Carlos Stanton, you got uh, Luke Voigt, you got Glaber Torres. Like you still got a lot of those those stud offensive guys in the middle of that lineup that you can rely on. And um, I mean, their production says it all from last year. They were 17th in hits, but fifth in home runs, fourth in runs scored, first in walks earned. Uh, they had the 23rd most strikeouts last year, which was uh, shocking to me. They were 14th in stolen bases, so not great, but uh, above average, so to speak. Uh, they were 14th in ERA and then 10th in hits given up. So, obviously, that, that addition of Kluber is going to hopefully help that number, uh, as well as getting Garrett Cole back to being as dominant as he's been uh, could be another big one. A couple of questions that I got for the Yankees is, can they stay healthy? Um, the last couple of years, they just haven't been able to have their complete lineup healthy for the majority of their games. And I think it hurts them. Um, and also, like, will, will these big-time bats show up? You know, we talked about the meat of that lineup being nothing but just home run hitters and being top five at home run hitters last year. And it's like, will will these guys return? Will they see the ball jumping off the bats and, and um, you know, really – command that name of the Bronx Bombers next year uh, and then ultimately can they get over that hump you know they've been in the running uh, winning the AL being at the top of the AL East for the last couple of years um, they've made it to the playoffs they've made it to a couple ALDS's ALCS's like are they gonna get over that hump and I know you know you could argue about some of the things that happened in in those series with Houston but when it comes down to it they just haven't done what needed to be done uh, to get those victories when it matters the most. And so now you got to start looking at that amount of money that they're spending in. Is it going to pay off? And so I'm interested to see what's going to happen here, but um, there's a lot to like about this Yankees team. And I think that they're going to see a, a good amount of success coming into this season, uh, piggybacking off of what they had last year. Next up is going to be the Toronto Blue Jays. They had a they had a pretty good offseason and I and and I say that because they added uh George Springer and Marcus Siemens, uh two great outstanding everyday players, uh one from Oakland and the other from Houston. Uh just really good solid not only solid bats but solid uh on the defensive end as well. Um but also they picked up uh they picked up Tyler Chatwood from the Cubs and me being a Cubs fan, this is somebody that I watched over the last couple of years. And I would say up until last year, you probably could not find any Cubs fans 
without the last name Chatwood that cared if he got traded. Um, he just we paid him a lot of money coming from the Rockies, and he just never quite produced. And so I think up until this point last year, most people would not have cared to see Tyler Chatwood in another uniform. However, in that sixty game in that sixty game season last year, he was kind of a stability rock for this this pitching rotation for the Cubs. Uh, you had John Lester who kind of fell off. You had uh, Jose Quintana who did not pitch last year because of a thumb injury. So it's really just uh, Chatwood uh, and and Kyle Hendricks that basically toted everything along with you Darvish. But Chatwood really started to you know find some of those pitches and and really work strike zones. He's not an overpowering guy. He's more of a uh, a pitching and placement guy. But he finally kind of fell into the mo- the mold of what you were hoping when you spent the money to get him out of Colorado. And I thought he pitched very well last year. You know, I was surprised to see um, him leave from Chicago. I thought that there'd be some ability to keep him on maybe uh, some smaller money turnaround. But uh, I will say, like, he, he he had an incredible year last year. I really do think uh, from the, the, the few seasons before, uh, there was a large jump there and. I'm excited to see what he's going to do with Toronto because if he has some of that stability there as he did with the Cubs last year, this team's got some chances to to really make uh, an impact going into this season. Um, like I mentioned before, that I mean, they're the young gunners, man. They got Vlad Jr., they got Bo Bichette, they got uh, Clavin Biggio. Like, they've got those young bloods out there, and I, 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 I enjoy watching them play, man. Uh Big-time offensive guys. They were 10th in hits last year, 8th in home runs, 7th in runs scored, 15th in walks earned. They had the 19th most strikeouts. Uh, They were 9th in stolen bases, uh, and they were 12th in overall batting average last year. Uh, The thing that's going to stand out is what are they going to do with that, that pitching staff? And so, like I mentioned, they're adding Tyler Chatwood to that, but... They were 19th in ERA last year. If that can get above that, um, if they can get above the average, I really think that coupled with their offense is going to, you know, make them a threat out of the AL East. Um, and I say that because they only gave up the fifth most hits, uh, or excuse me, they gave up the fifth least hits last year as as a staff. And so, uh, if you're trimming up that ERA and those hits aren't, you know, home runs or run scoring hits, and you're not putting a lot of guys on bases. You got a chance to be a really good baseball team. Um, I think that last year, making the playoffs and and being in the pitcher, uh, of course, they got swept last year. That happens, uh, but they were at least in the playoffs, uh, and I, and I think that that matters, and that's a good experience for those young guys. And then you're adding a guy like George Springer, who's you know who's won uh, a World Series and who's been in in very, very uh, important games in the past. So he's kind of bringing over that attitude and, and that experience to this team, and I think that's going to help. Um, what are their young guys going to do? Are they going to continue to take the leap that we're expecting out of them? Um, are all these father's kids going to really step into their own shadow and start to produce at a high level like we're expecting them to? Um, and, is there, and is that offense going to continue to be a strength for them? Um, like I mentioned before, you know, they were above average in, in a lot of offensive statistical categories last year. Uh, and if they're going to continue that, 
you're going to have a chance to be a force to be reckoned with in baseball. Um, it's always been about scoring runs and stopping people from doing that. And so uh, if their offense can continue the success that they saw last year, then the only thing you're looking at is, is that pitching rotation. And and really, we're looking at you, Tyler Chatwood. If you're gonna if you're gonna come in there and be the guy that was in Chicago the first two years, well, they're gonna struggle. Um, but if you're coming in there and you're the guy that was in Chicago last year, I really think this team's got a chance to make some noise. And I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them back in the playoffs again this year. Fourth team we're taking a look at uh, this year is gonna be the Orioles. They got a couple new moves here and a couple people coming back. You got Felix Hernandez, you got Matt Harvey, and of course you got Trey Mancini, who is coming back from last year. He had a diagnosis of stage three colon cancer. Uh, so not only to see him alive is, is far and away the most important thing, but seeing him back on the field uh, competing with his teammates and competing for the Orioles is, is just impressive as hell. And I can't say enough about like, the amount of strength and, and, and determination that it takes for that man to make it back to to that point. Um, so I'm, I'm wishing him well uh, coming back this year, and hopefully uh, he could provide a spark for that team and also for himself just to, you know, I'm sure the last thing on his mind last year was playing baseball, and now to be back in this comfort zone, uh, you got to be happy for him, and, and we're hoping the best for Trey Mancini. The Orioles, honestly, when I was pulling these statistics, really kind of shocked me here. Uh, they were 7th in hits last year, 15th in home runs, 16th in runs scored. They were 28th in walks, which is not good. Uh, they had the 19th most strikeouts. Uh, they had twenty. They were 24th in stolen bases and 7th in batting average. Um, one thing there that I, I would say is if you're going to look at this Orioles team, and I know a lot of people are saying they'll be down again, they're still rebuilding, I think one one easy place to make an adjustment to see some differences in their team is on the base pass. You know, if, if you get up in that top 15 from 24th in stolen bases uh, and you're being more aggressive on the base pass, you're giving yourself more opportunities to score runs. And I think that that's an easy thing that you can tweak and, and kind of assert into your team, especially when you're rebuilding. You probably got uh, more younger guys than – they're not, and so yeah, get them out there and use those wheels and try to, you know, try to push the narrative on the base pass and and, and try to accumulate some more runs instead of just looking at home runs and big hits to bring in those those RBIs. So that's where they were offensively on the on the pitching end. They were 16th in ERA uh, and 13th in hits given up. I'm definitely still thinking this is a rebuilding year. Um, I'm along the same premise as some of the the big writers for the baseball game. I just don't see it right now with this team. Uh, I do think that uh, over time they can become back to what Baltimore used to be in the Cal Ripken days where they were competitive and and fighting in that AL East. It's just not yet. Um, But one thing that I do think would be kind of – cool to look at and would would provide some spark to this team is what's Felix and and, and Matt Harvey going to do in their late stages of their career? Can they get some of that old man juice flowing to where they're, you know, you start seeing flashes of how they were in some of their better pitching days back when they were with St. Louis and with uh, the Mariners. Like, are they going to be able to produce some of that late, late career magic? And if so, like, that gives this team a little bit better opportunity to be better and to be competitive in games. And so you're looking for that as well as like 
is Chris Davis going to do anything? Like, can he give us one season worth of the money that he got paid? Um, he's getting paid $23 million a year, which is awful. It's even more awful when I tell you that uh, Atlanta doesn't play Atlanta doesn't pay Ronald Acuna and uh, Ozzy Albies $23 million combined. That's disgusting. Yes, I know. Um, but is Chris Davis going to do anything, or is that still going to be a sunken cost of money that we gave away for for a guy who's, you know, ever since he got that $100 million something dollar contract, he just has not produced. Um, they're going to struggle. They are. But there's, there's always some little – areas of, of light that are shining through for this team. And, and hopefully that uh, some of this late career magic with the pitching staff and Trey Mancini providing a spark from just battling his ass off to be back on the field. Uh, hopefully this team can, can provide a little bit of magic and spark for that city of Baltimore. Uh, but if I'm putting my money where my mouth is, I just don't see it. And that's, that's just my take on it. And the last team for our AL East wrap-up is the Boston Red Sox. Red Sox finished an AL East last uh, place last year at 24-36. and 36. Uh, Just not your typical Red Sox outing. And, and, and his, history would say that they'll be better this year. I, I do think, like, I don't think one player particularly makes or breaks a team, but not re-signing Mookie Betts is about as high as high can get in breaking a team. And I think you saw that last year. Um, that also coupled with Chris Sale having Tommy John surgery. Like, it just, everything kind of came to a crescendo then. You lost your, your coach, Alex Cora. Like, there was a lot that took place last year. So, I do think the Red Sox will be better this year. How much better? We're not quite sure yet. Uh, but they do get coach Alex Cora back, which is going to be, I think, a big addition to their team. I just think the guys respond well to him. Um, he's obviously already been uh, highly successful and won um, as, a, as a manager there, so getting him back uh, in, in the dugout is going to be a big win for the team. But also, like, what version of Chris Sale are they getting back when they get him back? Um is he going to be like that dominant arm that that they signed a couple of years ago that they we all expected him to be prior to Tommy John? Or is there going to be some kind of rust? Well, obviously there'll be rust, but is is there going to be, a um, I guess, a lengthier period before he gets back to his dominant? Or if he doesn't ever get back to that, how's that team going to, you know, revolve around not having that ace in the hole that you always thought you would have with Chris Sale? And so... Be interesting to see what happens there. They also lost uh, Benintendi uh, out of the outfield as well. I know that he was a guy, he was a younger guy that they were really banking on uh, being a big move for the team. I just think that uh, that's another piece from off that successful playoff run team that they had a couple of years ago. Um, not having him, not having Mookie Betts. Uh, still up in the air right now, some other players, but I do think that it's gonna. It's it's really gonna boil down to what happens uh, in the meat of their lineup, and and really with JD Martinez, like is he going to be this forty plus home run guy that we expected to see from him, or is he still gonna struggle? Uh, and that's gonna be a big part of will this team be successful or not. 
looking at last year, statistically, they should have been better um, when you look at their offensive production. They were second in hits. They were 12th in home runs. They were 11th in runs scored. They were 21st in walks, and they had the 8th most strikeouts. But they were 3rd in batting average. The issue comes from (laughs) their rotation, where they were 28th in ERA, and they were 1st in hits given up last year. Um, that says it all right there. Like I, you could be as productive as you want to be from the offensive end, uh, but if you're just getting shackled, and I just mean just absolutely just shackled on the pit from the pitching standpoint, like you're not gonna win many games, uh, especially in the AL where it's a more loaded lineup where you're not pitching around a pitcher batting in that ninth position. You're actually going against nine hitters. Uh, it just makes for a tougher tougher experience for that that pitcher that's out there and really working around that team and so my biggest point is going to be what will Chris Sale be when he returns and he's and is he going to be close to that dominance and if he is that puts this team in a better position than if he's not because if he's not I just don't know where you go to find a dominant 20 or so winning game pitcher and so that's going to be a big that's going to be a big point of emphasis for this team is where are they going to find pitching and Will they go out and resign somebody? Do they have someone coming up? Where is it? Because looking at that staff last year and not knowing about Chris Sale's health coming back this year, uh, I don't see where that pitching is quite just yet. Uh, and the third point that I wanted to look at is, are they going to resign Jackie Bradley Jr.? Because that's going to be a big benefit and a plus for a guy who's not only been around that team for a while, but also been around uh, Coach Alex Cora for a little bit. He's still got some uh, remnants of those championship years. Like those pieces matter in baseball, um, and so I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing if they're going to go out on a limb and try to re-sign him. I think it would be good for their team, um, and also just have that veteran leadership around the team. I think it's going to be really important. But excited to see what happens there. Excited to see what happens in the AL East. You know. I think I'm going to go Baltimore Orioles in fifth place, finishing 65 and 97. Um, I just don't quite see it with this team just yet. I just, I think there are a few too many pieces away to be productive. Uh, so I just don't see it yet. Uh, in fourth place, I got the Devil Rays or the Rays, excuse me, uh, at 81 and 81. Breaking, They're going to break even at 500, but. It's just too much. You just can't lose two of your top three arms and expect to roll the balls out at the beginning of the season and still be the same great team that you were last year. Um, at three, I've got the Red Sox not high above the Rays, but they're going to go 83 and 79. Uh, I think the Red Sox, you know, will will work through some things early. I think the beginning of the year will be tough on them. But as the season goes on, I do think that they'll start to develop a little bit more of that chemistry and that that Boston magic that you normally see every year as you get closer towards the end of the season. Uh, I think they're going to rattle off some wins. I think they're probably going to be on the outside looking in on the playoffs, but you should see better production out of that Red Sox team this year than we did last year. Number two, I'm taking the Blue Jays here, man. I, I just think with... With the pitching that they've got and the young talent that they've got around that team, there really is a spark of excitement around that Toronto team that probably hasn't been there in quite some time. And I really think that that matters when you're looking at a season of 162 games. When you've got young bucks that 
haven't been in the, the league that long, but are really still looking to make a big name for themselves, like they're coming out there and they're going to compete hard uh, for those 162 games. They're aggressive on the base pass. They've got great hitters um, in that lineup. They've got some good arms that can carry them, plus they're adding some some championship pedigree to their team. I really do think they, they could not only be in the running for make, taking one of those wild card slots, but could even push uh, for that number one seed out of the AL East. Ultimately, I think that that's going to fall to the Yankees. Um, I've got them projected right at that 100 win mark, so looking at 101 and 61. Uh, I just think with the amount of arms that they're going to have with Garrett Cole and Corey Kluber, uh, their bats that they've got on the team, I just think this team is a little bit better prepared to make a run, not only winning the division, but also looking at pushing it a little bit further in the playoffs. Again, we're looking at everything as it is now. I think if everybody's healthy, you got to say that this is the team that's the favorite to come out of the AL East. Uh, but if we know anything about the Yankees and relative to health in the last couple years, like that's not always a gimme. And so be on the lookout for teams like the Blue Jays who, you know, they're close. They're, they're really, really close. And so if the Yankees are going to start out slow or start out injured or be injured in the, you know, the, those, those hot dog days of the summer, like what's going to happen? Are we going to have a chance where maybe the Blue Jays sneak in and steal the division? I think there's probably going to be about a 10-11 game gap between number two and number one. Um, the Yankees obviously being my choice at number one. I think there's going to be about a 10-game gap uh, between those two teams. But uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. And so that's our breakdown for the AL East. Hit it, Drake. Top five, no debating. Top five, top five, top five. Keeping with the theme here, the top five is going to be my top five players to look for. Uh, this year in the AL East. Uh, very simple. I don't think any of these n- names are going to jump off the page at you. Uh, they're all people we're probably all aware of anyway, but just wanted to put this on record that uh, these are the top five guys I'm looking forward to looking into for the, the 2021 season in the AL East. Number five is going to be Chris Sale. Uh, I think he's one of the most dominant arms uh, that we've seen in the game when he's healthy. Uh, I know it's it's tough to say, oh, he can come back to that same kind of output and production coming off of Tommy John surgery. I think it's going to be very, very difficult to, but uh, I do think traditionally with modern medicine and, you know, the amount of technology and things that we have available to us now, I think that we're able to minimize the impact of people coming back from Tommy John and getting back to what they were pre-injury. Uh, so that'll be that'll be something to look at and see. I really think that the the Red Sox are a much deadlier threat as a team when they have a healthy Chris Sale leading that that rotation. So excited to see that number four, Giancarlo Stanton. Like, I mean, coming from from Miami, he was always the big time home run hitter, uh, just massive bombs, and and I think like he's continuing that in. New York, I just, I need to see more if he's going to stay healthy. If he's going to be, you know, um, I would say just like a more uh, overall hitter versus a home run hitter. Like, is he going to work both sides of the field? Uh, Is he going to stay on pitches a little bit longer? Is he going to be able to, um, you know, do damage against all speed? Is he going to be able to catch up to 
some of the different pitchers and different, um, I guess, approaches that people are giving him that he hasn't necessarily figured out. Him and his counterpart, Judge, who is actually coming in at number three here. I'm really interested to see how they produce this year. Uh, they're probably two of the bigger bats in the AL period, uh, but they're on the same roster and they're hitting uh, spots backing up each other. So it'll be interesting to see how they produce this year. I think that team goes as they go. And if they're having uh, monstrous years from the offensive side, it's only going to strengthen that lineup and it's only going to make it harder to beat that team. And so really interested to see what what happens with those two. And actually, number two and number one are teammates as well. Bo Bichette is going to be one of uh, the top two players that I'm looking into, as well as his teammate Vlad Jr., man. Like, it's got to be those two, right? Like, you got young guys. They've had about one and a half, probably closer to one full season of working in the league now that they're, they're, they're probably a little bit more comfortable with the expectations. Uh, they've played enough to to be comfortable playing in the league. Uh, I think they're now going to be able to craft out an adventure for themselves versus, oh, that's Bichette's son or, oh, that's Guerrero's son. Like Now they can just craft out their own journey and their own, uh, I guess, they really create their own path in this league. And I think that they're in a great spot to do it. Uh, I don't think that many people are going to have them as the favorites in the AL East. So you're still kind of got that underdog mentality, but you've already had a little taste of the playoffs. Even though you got swept, you've still been there. Uh, you've had a little success as a team. And so like, it shouldn't shock you when this team's successful uh, coming up this season and they shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't be one of those things where they're reading their own press clippings and, and they're getting the big head because they're doing things successful because they've already been there. And so if that's the case, all they've got to do now is just tie it all together. Um, I really, I'm really, really, really interested in this team. Uh, and I'm going to be keeping up with them a lot more this year. But especially these two p- players, uh, Bichette and Fly Guerrero Jr., I really think that they're two of our better players in, 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 coming from that younger batch of players. And I'm really interested to see what they're going to do in Toronto. That's going to do it for our our episode this week. Uh, Man, I appreciate you all being so active and listening and and still continuing to pick up this channel and this show every week. Uh, Please, please, if you can, rate, review, and subscribe for this podcast. Share it with your friends. Talk about us on social media. Anything to get a little bit more buzz going, I would certainly love and appreciate. but I do want to continue to tell you guys that I'm really, really thankful for um, you all continuing to ride with me, listening to these shows, uh, and providing any feedback that you have. Uh, I really appreciate that, guys. I'm trying to do my best with this show to you know, keep it different, keep it a different introspective. And uh, I really appreciate all of you that are riding with me so far. And catch us next week as we roll out another division in our MLB breakdown. See you.